0: Welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast, where you'll learn all the best tips, tricks, and practical techniques for building the confidence levels you've always wanted. With inspiring interviews, real-life examples, and game-changing insights, this podcast
1: is for women who know that mastering the skill of confidence is one of the most important things they'll ever do. Hello and welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast. I'm Anastasia Adams and together with my business partner, Jody, we run Rise Women, a business dedicated to helping all women make confidence their new normal. I'm so happy to be back behind the microphone because today I'll be speaking with an incredible expert who knows so much about a range of topics that every woman needs to know about. Today I'm speaking with Rebecca Warren, a naturopath based in Sydney, Australia, who is also a lecturer in nutritional medicine and naturopathy, a clinical nutritionist and a researcher. Rebecca is passionate about anything to do with health and I think her credentials are a testament to that passion. She graduated in the top 3% of her class. She has a master's in public health a Bachelor of Health Science majoring in Complementary Medicine, an Advanced Diplomary Naturopathy, and a Certificate Four in Remedial Massage. She's also a member of the National Herbalists Association of Australia and has undertaken additional postgraduate training to be able to offer microscopic analysis and cellular health and body composition testing in her consultations, which just sounds so super cool. And she also has an incredible list of specialties that we know our listeners are going to love because Rebecca loves working with clients on digestive health, fatigue, weight loss, stress and mood imbalances, detoxification, hormonal imbalances and nutritional guidance. So basically there is nothing she can't help you with when it comes to health and well-being. So let's get straight into it because we've got so much to cover today. Rebecca Warren, welcome to the Secrets of Confident Women podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. It's always fun to talk all things health and wellness. Um, especially when we can tie it into some of the, you know, the mental health and, and well being bits and pieces as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's such a big thing at the moment, isn't it? I mean it's so great oh, that it's finally at the forefront and people are talking about it. Mm. And it's so great that the health movement is such a big thing right now. Like it, yeah, it kind definitely. of infiltrates everything we do. And another exciting fact about Rebecca is she's just had a baby. So I, I think that in <laughs> itself is another reason to focus on health, right? Because it's not just about you anymore. It's about giving your your baby the best options.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think it's also for me as well, just being a role model too, you know, yeah. making sure that she grows up in an environment where, you know, health is just something that she knows and experiences and, you know, doesn't really have to, I guess, think too hard about it. Yeah. It's just something that it's her way we life. do. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. And, and that's how kids learn, right? They, they learn by watching their role models do the right thing. It doesn't matter what we say to them. Yeah, If they don't see us doing it, they're like, yeah, if you're not doing it, I'm not doing it. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: All right. So tell us a bit about yourself, your family and your business.
0: Oh, gosh. Well, as you said, I've I've just had a baby, so my daughter, Penelope. She's eight weeks old and she's currently in the carrier while I'm doing this podcast. So if you hear some background noise, I'm just getting, I'm getting beautiful cuddles from her at the moment. That's the best background um,
1: noise. So it's all good. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Well, I've also got my dog Huxley here at my feet. So if you hear some barking, that'll be, that'll be him. <laughs> Look, I'm, I guess from a family perspective, I'm, I'm the eldest of four children. I've got two sisters and a brother who I'm all really close with. So I My husband, Anthony, and I decided to actually move out of Sydney about 12 months ago just so we could be around family. And I guess that became really important as we sort of thought about having children. And then when we had Penelope, we thought it was really important for her to be around her cousins. So, you know, as we made that move out of Sydney, it also, I guess, changed the way that I ran my business. So as you alluded to in your uh, intro, I was initially based in Surrey Hills in Sydney and that physical practice is still there. I have fantastic naturopath, Cassie, who's manning the ship and all the face-to-face bits and pieces. But yeah. um, since finding out I was pregnant and the whole COVID drama and all those bits and pieces, I actually decided to go completely online. So it allows me to reach a whole host of, you know, additional people who I hadn't really been able to help before. And, you know, being a naturopath for the last 12 years, there has been a number of things that we've sort of seen change you know, over the the health industry. And that includes, you know, additional functional pathology testing, which we can now just get people to do in their own home. You know, we can have herbal medicines, you know, ordered and delivered to people's homes. So it's just, it's really changed the way
1: that I've practiced. You must have seen like an incredible evolution of that. Oh, definitely. Because especially I mean, in the last 10 to 15 years, things in that oh, industry have absolutely. changed so much.
0: Oh, definitely. And I think, not just in terms of, you know, research when we're looking at natural medicines and health, but also to I think there's also been a bit of a, I guess, consumer shift in the way that people are digesting healthcare information now. You know, at one point it was just you would go to, you know, a practitioner and they would tell you something and you would sort of, you know, take that information on board. Whereas yeah. now, you know, with the rise of social media and the internet and Dr. Google and all those sorts <laughs> of things, there's been a, a real shift in the way that I guess people are looking for health answers, but also the way in which people come to acknowledge their own health because. Previously, I think people were really used to just putting up with things, but people now are hearing other people's stories and, um, you know, there's forums and groups and all these sort of different things. So people are connecting with their healthcare professionals in a very different way to yeah. what they would have even, I'm going to say, five years ago. So
1: well, We're a lot more informed, aren't we? Yeah. There's so much yeah. more than we know, which is it's great on the one hand because we can have a more comprehensive look at our own health and well-being, mm. but at the same time, sometimes there's a thing you know, of over-information, isn't there? Like I could imagine Dr. Google must be your worst nightmare. (laughs) But people come to you and they have (laughs) self-diagnosed. They're like, oh, I know what I've got.
0: Look, it is, I must admit, it is one of I guess the sticking points of being a clinician, but, you know, one of the things that I really value and one of the things that I guess I promote to my patients is that they are the best person to understand how they're supposed to feel. And, you know, no practitioner, no test result, no, you know, other specialists or any of those sorts of things can tell you what's meant to feel good in your body. So often, you know, I think it's really also about empowerment, you know, because we go to professionals sometimes and we get told information and, yes, you know, they're an expert in that area but we're an expert in us and if you feel that something is just not right despite being told that it is, then my advice around that is always dig deeper. And, you know, again, sometimes that's when people take to, you know, Dr Google or forums or things like that and people will come to me saying, you know, I've read this or I've heard this. And I mean, sometimes it can be challenging when people have done lots and lots and lots of research around it, but they haven't taken into account the broader context and the bigger picture as to how
1: they've actually gotten there. And things with like Google and and any sort of search engine, it'll tell you what you want to hear, right? So you can ask the same question 10 different ways and you'll get 10 different responses based on how you phrased your question. So Correct. it knows exactly what you're looking for, and depending it on how you word it, you will get different answers. And I think yeah. you know, sometimes people forget this: that the algorithm is yeah. what's giving you an answer, not it's not the truth. It's not a doctor that's in the right. back going, "Oh, oh, you've given me your symptoms. All right, here's what you've got."
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know that's that's the thing. You know, I'm all for technology helping to inform yeah. us and, and form decisions, but I think we have to be careful with how much emphasis we place on the results that we
1: get from Yeah, because there are so many variables, right? Definitely. So many variables. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I love what you said about it sitting with the person because the truth mm-hmm. is nobody knows how you feel. People have different tolerance no. levels. You mm-hmm. know, what, what is, it kills me with pain for you might be mm-hmm. nothing. It really is about dealing with each case-by-case case basis, right? Like, like really looking into the patient individually rather than taking a broad overview of the symptoms or however they're feeling.
0: Absolutely. And look, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I love being an atropath so much is because, you know, in consultations, I have the luxury of sitting with someone for an hour and, you know, we dive into, you know, all the ins and outs and nooks and crannies of not just what they're experiencing, but I guess I then can use my experience to determine how they got there. So, you know, often, uh, as an example, I talk about, you know, the drivers behind constipation. You know, someone will you know, present to the clinic saying, oh, I'm, I'm constipated. But, you know, that could be for one person dehydration, for another person that could be lack of fibre, for another person that could be stress, for another person that could be hormones. For <laughs> Like, yeah. I mean, there are so many different drivers and the key thing is that if we don't address what that underlying driver is, that person may not get well. So, that's why I've got, you know, a real Gripe with some of these things that are coming out now about oh everyone must take fiber and everyone must take a probiotic and you must take this and well, it's treating the symptoms, but it's not really treating the cause, is it? Unless
1: you know the root cause of it, you're not really treating anything. You're just masking over what you can see on the outside.
0: Yeah, and I think you know, as with anything in health or with anything in life, really, you know, the symptoms are a culmination of what's going on within the environment for you. So you have to be very aware of the context and how you've arrived at that endpoint, Because like I said, if you don't treat that main underlying driver, then, you know, nothing's going to
1: change. I like that. That's a great way to get us going. Um, But I'm going to turn this around to you for a second. I'm going to ask you a couple of personal questions. Yeah, go for it. Tell me, what does confidence or being a confident woman mean to you?
0: A lot about this and I was thinking about confidence and what does it actually mean because I guess for me I've always thought about confidence as a feeling and something that I feel as opposed to something that you do if that yep. makes sense. Yep. But when I really thought about it, I think for me confidence is being able to find the courage to do what you want to do. I think we have to kind of acknowledge as well that you know, sometimes those things can be hard or they're really uncomfortable. And confidence doesn't always feel like, you know, you're six foot tall striding through a room, you know, and having everyone sort of listen to what you're saying, you know, it might actually feel a bit weird or it might feel uncomfortable. But for me, confidence is trusting that you will be able to get through that particular situation no matter how it actually feels.
1: Yeah, like a deep sense of self-belief. Because you're right, confidence isn't always loud. And there's this misconception that confidence is, it's brash and it's loud and it's, you know, really visible. And sometimes those people, they're not confident. They're masking something. Whereas the people who are quietly confident and have this really kind of strong self-belief, they can manage it. They don't need to yell and scream. They don't need to, you know, stand really tall and make sure that everyone can see them. They just have this quiet little, you know, it's a super cool fly under the radar. I know what I'm doing. I've got this. It's a very different concept of confidence, I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think, you know, it is, it's about just sitting in that space. And as long as you know that you're going to be okay, that's all that matters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So when are you the most confident version of yourself?
0: Yeah, this again, I, I did think about this question as well because I thought, God, when am I? When I'm so glad does, my questions <laughs> made you think. <laughs> they really did. Excellent. Yeah, And I guess, you know, it depends because, you know, I, I think I probably have to take a step back yep. to sort of explain that because for me I'm always really trying to – live a life where I'm a consistent version of myself in all areas of my life. Because I guess, you know, at one point I was juggling, you know, Rebecca the naturopath with Rebecca the friend and Rebecca the partner and the researcher and the daughter and the sister. And it just actually got quite exhausting, I guess, emotionally when I constantly had to think about what version I was being.
1: Um,
0: So, for me, I had to sort of take a bit of a deep dive and do some personal development stuff around who I was just being Rebecca and Mm. what did that look like. So, when I can be in that state, then I can be in, I guess, more a sense of sort of flow and that then allows me
1: to be, I guess, confident across the Because you know what that version looks like, right? You're not trying to please anyone. You're not trying to put on some sort of a facade for a certain group or a certain person. You are just who you are.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's not to say that I don't wobble. You know, absolutely. I do 100% in all of those areas. You know, am am I being the best friend? Am I being the best wife? You know, what should I do at work? But also, too, I think once I come back to that. I guess, grounded version of myself and knowing what my values are and knowing what I stand for and knowing what I'm not going to put up with. I think that's a really important one for people, where are your boundaries? That's when I'm probably the most confident version of myself because I guess I call the shots on what my life looks like.
1: Yeah, definitely. And nobody knows you like you do right? That's right. People think they know you (laughs) and they may know different versions of you and different elements of you because with friends, you might be one way, with family, you might be another way. And I think we all experience this. Um, You kind of flick switches.
0: Even amongst like
1: friend groups or amongst family groups, there's different Mm. versions. But I think when you are your most authentic version and you're like, this is who I am. These are my values. You know, these are my beliefs. This is my ethic, my work ethic, my play ethic, whatever. You can't go wrong with that. No, Absolutely.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I think that, that puts you in a really powerful position because, like I said, you get to call the shots and you get to say what does and doesn't work for you, yeah. but also it makes it a lot easier to let go of the garbage. Yeah. And I think from what I see with working with, you know, a, a lot of women, it's sometimes their confidence is rocked because they're constantly trying to people-please. But if you can get to the point where you go, "Mm, actually, I don't care if you do that or not, then it doesn't impact you. You don't have to take responsibility for someone else's feelings or how they respond to something. You know that you've done the best thing for you that align with you and that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so true. I think our confidence does suffer when we're trying to interact with people in a way that doesn't sit well with us and doesn't align well with our values. Oh,
0: absolutely. Because yeah. it takes so much more energy to do that. It's but exhausting, it's coming, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. But it's coming from a place of should yes. as opposed to can. Yeah. And you know, it's one thing that I'm often saying to people, and I, I approach this sort of through my research as well. It's like, well, just because we can, doesn't mean that we should Yeah. and, you know, we, we can we can fill our diaries and we can hang out with all these different people and we can go to all these different work events for a particular reason, whether that's to be seen or to be liked or to be accepted or whatever it is and none yeah. of those things are wrong. It's just, again, we have to look at, well, what's missing from our life or the way that we're living our life or the way that we're seeing our life yeah. that is causing us to, I guess, validate our life through external
1: sources. Yeah. 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 Constantly seeking for something. Mm, Yeah. mm. Amazing. I'm going to turn to your website for a second because I was having a read through it, which I thought it was really fascinating. It was great. But on your website, you explain that your values of peace, so it's an acronym, right? (laughs) P-E-A-C-E, underpin everything that you do. And I especially love the C in this acronym because it refers Mm -hmm. to collaboration and teamwork. Yeah. For us, this is a big deal in everything that Jodie and I do. Our underlying core theme, as you know, is always confidence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we always find that there is so much collaboration that goes on behind the scenes, especially when it comes to building confidence. You know, surrounding yourself with the right people is a really big deal for us. It's one of the biggest confidence-building techniques you can use. And I suspect that building confidence would also be a significant element of what you do. Yeah. So, how would you explain the importance of confidence building in amongst your values, in amongst peace, especially the P, which stands for practical empowerment, because we're all about empowerment, and the A, which stands for authenticity, which is what we're just talking about.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I guess, look, I'll answer that question from a healthcare perspective, because- I guess I do sort of wear two hats in terms of, you know, my naturopathic standpoint because I've, I've got a research element that I do and then I've got the clinical practice element that I do. So for me, when it comes to confidence within individuals, I guess what I'm really trying to get them to understand is to listen and to trust their bodies. So like I was alluding to before, you know, we are the best judge of what feels right for us. And again, so often people are looking to these outside sources that tell us how we're supposed to be feeling. And these, like I said, can serve really great purposes if we're looking at testing or screening. But I think we have to, I don't know, take our health into our own hands, which I think also means we take our life into our own hands and have the ability to say that yes or no something is working or not working for me and again a lot of women that I work with just don't have the confidence to it's not quite speaking up but it's just to say what they want you know also too if we you know, start that you know the spiral of social media and what that does to yeah, to women and their mental health and their physical health. We're led to believe that we should be feeling a certain way or shouldn't be feeling a certain way. Yes. And for me, it's all about, I guess, trying to teach women or teach people in general that I guess they don't have to conform to that status quo. They're, they're yeah. okay and they're able to look in and go, well, wait, what is it that I actually want? What do I actually want to be feeling? Do I have to be juggling all those balls? Well, yeah. probably not. So then the flip side, I guess, or the, the other part in terms of the research element that I'm doing, I'm actually – I'm a PhD student. I'm looking at how being a cancer caregiver influences dietary behaviours in the caregiver. Wow. And looking at the impact of nutrition or looking at how caregivers' nutrition is impacted when they take on that caregiving process.
1: Right. So
0: for me, from a research standpoint, what I'm doing is working with caregivers to improve, I guess, their overall confidence levels. You know, from a research standpoint, we talk about it as something called self-efficacy, which is basically your belief in an ability to do something and do something well.
1: Which is, yeah, another word for confidence, really. Yeah, yeah. core self-belief, Yep.
0: Absolutely. So for me, I'm yeah, working with caregivers to improve their confidence levels around being able to eat well, despite the stress and the busyness and the multiple balls that they're juggling. So we're doing some really fun, interesting events to help caregivers get back in touch with, I guess, themselves and teach them how to yeah, honour what they need
1: there's an element of responsibility in that too, isn't there? In in what you're just saying and also what you're saying earlier. Mm. And I wonder whether sometimes it's a bit too hard. I feel like it, probably in that situation and in so many other situations, taking responsibility and taking charge and making those hard calls and going, you know, I am really busy, I am a carer or for whatever reason in your life or I don't focus on my health and, and my nutrition because it's too hard. And, and it's easier to describe something quick and it's easier to not – think about preparing a healthy meal or, you know, getting out and walking 30 minutes a day. I reckon I'm yeah. the, like, prime culprit of that. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, yeah, I think there's this element of responsibility that's scary because if I yeah. accept that I own it and it is my responsibility and I don't do it, then I have no one to blame but myself. Correct. Whereas if I put yeah. it out to the world and go, oh, you know, society told me to do this and Facebook told me to do that and TikTok and the doctor and when you can shift that responsibility onto someone else, all of a sudden it's not your fault anymore. And I feel like there's something in that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like I'm, I'm big on responsibility. I think, you know, if we don't take responsibility, then we don't give ourselves access to the full range of power that we have to change our lives. You know, I, it, yeah. it breaks my heart when I see, you know, all these people that just are constantly palming off, you know, their health and their life to outside sources. It's like, I can't because, I can't because. Well, okay, you You can't, but (laughs) you could. You could do something different. It doesn't have to be this huge, big life-changing thing. It could just be, you know, one tiny thing, you know, it's just, One little step, another little step, another little
1: step. That's the pathway to success, right? We talk about this all the time as well. You set yourself a huge goal and it just seems unachievable, overwhelming. Mm. It's just Mm. too hard. So you will always palm it off. But if you set tiny little you know, chunk steps, little ones that yeah. are achievable, you don't realise mm. how far you've gotten until you kind of look yeah. back and you go, oh, I've had a hundred little steps behind me. As one yeah. step, it would have seemed massive. Yeah. But little steps are definitely more achievable. And I think we're probably, as human beings, more likely to take responsibility and be accountable for smaller steps. It's not as scary.
0: Well, that's right. It doesn't seem as daunting, yeah. I think. But I think just to, I guess, play devil's advocate a little bit here, I think we're very likely to want to take responsibility for the good things.
1: Yes. But we're,
0: <laughs> we're not very good at taking responsibility for the not so good things. Because we don't um, want to admit
1: that we've failed. No, it's we a human. not It's, a, it's a human, you know, a tendency to just, we don't, I don't want to say that I've failed at something. Yeah. I want to be a winner all the time. And thank yeah. you, social media, for kind of promoting that, right? We yeah. want to push all our wins out there. And even mm. our fails, we promote them as wins. Oh, I, you know, yeah. I, I failed at this, but look what I learned. Like we, yeah. we really, really are not comfortable, I think, yeah. as humans and particularly as women, mm. we are not comfortable at putting our failures out there and showing people where we went wrong. And where maybe we didn't learn or or we didn't end up with a win at the end. And it's hard to do that because it means that you're vulnerable.
0: Well, exactly. And I think it's uncomfortable for a lot of people as well. So I think the more comfortable we can get with being uncomfortable, I think that is, you know, really a bit of a superpower because for me, I tend to think of discomfort as, somewhere, we get uncomfortable or we experience discomfort because we've never been in that place before. Yes. And if we've never been in that place before, then that means we're doing something new. And if we're doing something new, it means we're breaking new ground. Yes. So for me, that's sort of the trick that I use to spin those things around in my mind when I'm feeling really uncomfortable about something, I kind of then sit with, okay, well, right, I'm about to do something really
1: why am I or, here?
0: Yeah. yeah. And once we can, or once for me, I can identify them, I'm about to do something new and that means that I'm growing, yeah. then automatically that makes it seem less scary.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because you can see the, the positive spin on it, right? You're like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's scary, yeah. but I'm good. I've got this.
0: Yeah, and I think also too sometimes we just have to acknowledge that things are really hard or really scary or you really, really don't want to do something. But that's okay. You know, if there's a really challenging conversation, you just need to... I guess, you know, well, for me, I just say to myself, this is a really tough conversation. I really don't want to have this and I know I'm not going to enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. But it's like, you know what? Suck it up. Let's just get through this because it's going to be over in an hour, you know, like.
1: And when you have that placement, I think with yourself in the beginning and you acknowledge what it is.
0: Mm. it is
1: less daunting because you're like, all right, it's out in the open. Yes, this is going to be scary. Yes, it may be uncomfortable. Mm. The outcome Mm. may not even be what I want it to be. Yeah. But sometimes I think we're more scared of the unknown.
0: Yeah. Like just following on from that, I think sometimes we just get too attached to the outcome as opposed to the doing part. We get attached especially I see a lot of women it's about the ticker box and look I'm 100% guilty of it as well I like ticking boxes I like you know if I do a to-do list I like being able to highlight them off so I can see how much that I've (laughs) achieved you know I totally get that and I am so one of those women but also too I think we don't serve ourselves in the greatest way when we judge ourselves based on how many boxes we tick yeah
1: because then we miss the value of the process. Yeah. We miss yeah. what it took to get there where our focus is honed in on that end goal and we miss yeah. all the lessons that we learn along the way.
0: Yeah. And sometimes two things change along oh, the way. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, like, you know, to give you an example, my husband and I were really, I guess, a bit gung-ho when we, we bought our new house and we are like, right, we're going to do all these renovations and, yeah. you know, we, <laughs> we got all these plans, drew up, and we found our builder when we were going a million miles an hour. But we're renovating quite an old house, and it wasn't until we actually got the final quote back Mm. where we went, Oh, is this actually (laughs) a good decision? Like, should we be renovating? But we'd gotten so attached to renovating that we never actually even considered the option of a knockdown rebuild. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So, like, we we definitely are are living where we want to live and we love the block that we're on, but we, just never thought of. Because you were
1: focused on the end goal. We were right? so
0: attached to the end goal of what this renovation was going to look like. And it wasn't until we actually both sort of stopped and went, hang on, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Is this the right thing? Mm. And it wasn't, you know, the renovation was not the right thing for us.
1: And there's value in that, isn't there, in that um, yeah. perspective taking, kind of trying Definitely. to step out. And it's always good to to have someone to support you in that. It's hard to do that on your own sometimes because you're in the yeah. middle of it. Um, yeah. But it is good to, to kind of try and step outside what you're doing and go, is this yeah. the best thing for me right now? Yeah. You know, yeah. have I really looked at all my options? And it's great to get mm. different perspectives from people who can open your mind to things you may not have thought about.
0: Yeah. And also too, I think sometimes it's just asking yourself the question of how is this actually serving me? Is this getting me, you know, closer to a better version of myself or is this getting me closer to whatever it is that you're trying to achieve? You know, like I think sometimes we actually have to check in with ourselves and if we don't allow time and space for that, then we do, we get caught up in, as I said, that end goal of ticking the box and, you know, moving to the next thing Mm -hmm. as opposed to really identifying if it's the right thing for us.
1: Yeah. And that takes brutal honesty, doesn't it?
0: Oh, it does. You can't (laughs) just look around and go, oh, look
1: at my, you know, I've got pretty pen and paper and I'm writing down a list that would look good if it was Instagrammed. It takes brutal honesty to kind of look inside and go, is this really what I want? And courage.
0: Correct. I think Mm. courage is a huge thing because I think that sort of mentality can be applied to relationships. It can be applied to your health. It can be applied to your career. It can be, you know, applied to pretty much anything. I think we've got to get really honest with ourselves. And I think that's a really big confidence building tool as well, because when you know what's right for you, yeah. your energy and your whole demeanour just completely shifts because you're now operating from a place of authenticity and that firm foundation that is right for you, like it yeah. feels right
1: yeah. for
0: you. So, which means no one can to, stray
1: you from your path.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It means you're rock solid. Yeah. So I think you've got to get really solid in what you stand for and what you want because then you're unshakable.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: Sorry, that was a total deviation. From no, what? I love
1: it. It's I awesome. That's know. what these conversations are about. It's about seeing yeah. where it'll take us. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to go back to your naturopathy for a sec because yeah. I know that it's been a part of your life since you were a little girl. And I read on your website, you were first introduced to it at a very young age when your mum used natural remedies to treat your eczema, right?
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. So it's evident yeah. that this line of work is a passion for you and it drives and motivates you every day. And I'm sure throughout, you know, many, many years of working with clients, you've connected with so many women who have come to you for help at different stages in their lives. So this is a confidence podcast. And I'm curious to know, are there any trends that you've seen or that you've noticed with your clients when it comes to how they relate to their health and well-being and their confidence levels? Like why do you think there's such a strong connection between state of mind and state of body?
0: I think it comes back to that. Um, like we were saying just earlier, about being authentic. Because when you feel good, you, I don't want to say do good, but you approach your life in a completely different way. You've got more zest for life. There's there's a flow. Things come more easily to you yeah. um, when you're feeling good. A different um, energy, yeah? Yeah. But I think the thing to just be mindful of, and you touched on this at the beginning, is, you know, that flip side of remembering how powerful our mind can be. Because in some instances, we're coming from a place of push as opposed to flow. And we, we come from a thinking space instead of a feeling space where we get caught on maybe it's an outcome and, you know, our mind pushes us into thinking a particular way. So for people with health, for instance, it might be that, no, no, everything's fine. You know, I'm just getting old. Or, you know, I'm a mum. Of course I'm supposed to be tired. Yeah. Or I've been through X, Y, and Z. So this is what I have to suffer with as a result. Or, you know, we the just big settle. thing that I yeah, 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 it is. It's it's really settling. And, yeah. you know, I see it in people also too who have chronic disease. You yeah. know, they essentially become their disease. It's, you know, I can't because I've got diabetes. I can't because I've got...
1: They use it as their crutch.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is for sure. And I think that can really be very debilitating for people's confidence levels because they hold themselves back from life because they become so attached to their disease. And like I've got a patient who has MS yeah. and thankfully he's was caught very, very early and he only had very mild symptoms. Yeah. He went through six neurologists wow. getting sort of different opinions because he was just getting so much conflicting advice and getting so much negativity around. Like I think the third or the, the second or the third neurologist that he said that he saw basically said to him
1: like you better start getting your wheelchair ready and he was like God. whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. It just completely <laughs> um, like literally cuts you off at the knees and it stops these yeah. people from ever reaching their full potential because you're right the, the yeah. disease defines them
0: yeah and I mean like everyone's heard you know that you know, story of the cancer patient that gets told you've got three months to live and they live three months to the day. Yeah. You know. And then, you know, again, the flip side of that, I've had patients who have been told you've got six months to live and they're alive five years later. Yes. So I think it's it's less it, we need to decide what information we allow to filter in and what information we allow to filter out because that really impacts our state of well being and again, I think our confidence levels as well. Because it affects
1: the way that we be in the world. Yes. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think sometimes these external influences, if we let, I mean, it's good to, you know, like you said, get different opinions and to get different perspectives and to take in as much information as you can. But when you let it infiltrate you, it almost becomes a self-fulfilled prophecy. You go, well, if this is what they're saying I'm going to be, then everything I do drives towards that end point. Whereas if you know that your options are open and you know it's in your hands and in your control... Obviously, there will be some restrictions that you just can't get past, but...
0: Correct. And I should say, like, don't go ignoring medical advice. (laughs) You know, you want to listen to your medical professionals. Like, they are, you know, they're they're, they're well-placed to make these sorts of calls.
1: All right. So, seeing as I have an expert with me, I think it wouldn't be right if I didn't address two huge topics that women face all the time. And I'm sure you deal with this a lot. Hormones, Mm -hmm. And menopause. Yep. (laughs) Right, so let's start with hormones because you offer a really great description of what hormones are and what they do. And I found this fascinating because I've never thought about it this way before. But you call them little parcels of information that travel around our body delivering messages. But you also say (laughs) that sometimes the messages they carry are wrong or that certain parts of our body might receive the wrong package. So can you expand on this a little bit? Because I, f- I did, I found it fascinating, and I'm sure all our listeners would love to understand this you know, mysterious world of little hormones a little more. And can you just give us a really quick explanation on how our hormones can affect our state of mind and as a result, our confidence?
0: I guess the key thing to remember with hormones is we have lots and lots of different types of hormones. Yeah. So we've got, you know, sex hormones, thyroid hormones, metabolic hormones, stress hormones, and these all work together. And most of the time, our hormones are really trying to do their best to keep us happy. And another way that I like to describe sort of hormones is. In our body, like like a bit of an orchestra, so we've got lots of different specific individuals, I guess, playing their own instrument. Yeah. But then you've got clusters of those. So, like I said, you've you've got lots of different types of sex hormones. So you've got estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. But let's say they form the the wind section yeah. of an orchestra, yeah. and then you know we've got our our stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline and they might be part of, I don't know, the drums. Yeah. And what is really important is that we have all of these individuals playing the right role in this section yeah. but then the section of the orchestra playing together to make sure that we get, you know, a, a beautiful performance.
1: Okay. Um,
0: but the thing that we also have to remember with hormones is because they're trying to keep us happy and because they're trying to keep us in our best health, the conductor of our hormones yes. is essentially the environment. So if okay. we are going through a really stressful period, that's going to make the stress part of the orchestra play a little bit louder so yeah. that we can we can be safe and that we, we can do certain things. So it's really important, I think, when we're talking about hormones, not so much to focus on the specific hormones because I find this a lot with women, especially when we're looking at menopause, you know, and they might go and see a hormone specialist and they're doing, you know, bioidentical hormones and they're doing this much estrogen and a testosterone patch and a little bit of DHEA and and that's great, but the question needs to be asked, well, what else is going on within their environment that has caused those hormones to do what they're doing. So right. obviously, you know, menopause is a physiological process that happens within the body, but it's happening in response to what else is going on. Like you don't just go through menopause in this little, you know, bubble or, or vacuum where nothing else is going on. You know, you're still going to work, you're still you know, I don't know, maybe looking after kids, you're still exercise, but there's all these yeah, other yeah. things that are going on that your body is still trying to adjust to. So for me, when it comes to hormones, I think the big thing that people need to remember is that they don't work in isolation. They work together. And like I said, the quality of the performance is going to be determined by the conductor and the conductor is how you are actually living your life on a day-to-day
1: basis. See, I never would have thought of that because yeah. in my head and I think probably in a lot of people's heads, mm. hormones is a purely internal thing. It is yeah. a physical thing. It is something that it, my body is dealing with. doesn't matter what, like in, I always thought, it doesn't matter what's going on around me, my hormones are mm. my hormones, you know. It's mm. something that's, mm. it's a, a, it is a physiological thing that I just cannot control unless I intervene with something.
0: Yeah, and I guess, you know, this sort of links back a little bit to what we were alluding to before, you know, blaming our hormones is a really good way to pass the buck.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, because you just hormones. got, I'm hormonal, I've got my yeah. periods, oh my yeah. God, I'm miserable, I don't want to do anything, I just blame the That's hormones. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's, look, I mean, part of that is true. You know, our hormones can really influence our mood and how we're feeling, our energy levels, a whole host of things. But, you know, Mother Nature did not design us to be in pain every month. You know, it didn't design us to go through years of hell when it comes to menopause. You know, we're not meant to suffer. You know, we're meant to feel great every day. And I think that's the one big thing that people kind of, miss or forget is our bodies are designed to feel amazing. It's not to say we're going to feel amazing all the time, but we should be sort of bouncing back towards that direction. Yeah. And I think this is the thing that I guess I try to always keep in the front of my mind when I'm dealing with hormonal imbalances is yet why did that go out of balance in the first place? Because you don't just go out of balance for the sake of it.
1: Unless there's something kind of triggering it.
0: That's
1: right, yeah. That is fascinating because, yeah, like I said, I just would never have have thought about it that way. I always thought Mm. that, you know, and and I think you're right, we do resign ourselves. We go, oh, it's that time of the month, I'm just going to resign myself to being a cranky woman this week because Mm. my periods are playing up and I've got, you know, or or I'm going through menopause, I'm just going to be miserable for five years. It's it's just what it's going to be because we don't look outside of ourselves for solutions as well. We only look inside.
0: And I think, you know, like we were talking about responsibility, like, yeah. you know, we've got a responsibility in my mind is a double-edged sword, right? You can take responsibility and blame your hormones, but you've yes. also got to take responsibility for everything that happens with that. So if you're going to be cranky, you're going to be moody, you're going to be annoying to be around, you're not going to have, you know, fun and, or find any joy, you're going to be miserable and miss out on so many amazing things in your yeah. life. You have to take all of that if you're going to say, oh, well, it's my hormones.
1: Well, then this is the consequence, right?
0: That's right. Yeah. You know, the, the flip side to that is saying, well, yeah, my hormones are making me feel this way, but what are those things that I can do to help me feel better? Even, I guess, again, being mindful of the outcome, it's what can I do to just make me feel a bit better? And then you get a bit better and a bit better yeah. because I think for Compounds. some people, yeah. For some people, I'm sure you've probably seen this as well, like unless people feel perfect, they go, oh, Well, what's what's the point?
1: Yes. You know? And and I think technology encourages this. Like I, I yeah. was talking to someone about this the other day, right? I remember being younger and you organized to go out with your friends, right? Mm-hmm. And and you're twenty and yeah. you no know, mobile phones back then. You were you know you, yeah. you know, you were like it if you had a phone. And we'd say we were gonna be somewhere and we were there. And yeah. it didn't matter how we are feeling or if we had our periods or if we were a bit off mm-hmm. or a bit tired, mm-hmm. we just went, well, I've made a commitment, I'm going to be there. Today, because we are all so accessible to each other, it's amazing the amount of times you get a message going, oh, you know what, I'm not feeling up to it today. And yeah. we just so easily dismiss what's going on in our lives based yes. on the fact that we're a little bit off. And I yeah. think it's because technology enables this. Whereas mm. 20 years ago, we didn't have that option Mm. to bow out. If you didn't show up, your friend was left there waiting. Yeah. And I just think it's made it easier for us to dismiss our responsibility and our accountability.
0: Mm, Yeah. Accountability is a big one too, which is, I think, slightly different to responsibility. But yeah, I totally agree with you.
1: Yeah. 100%. Crazy. All right. So onto the dreaded menopause, right? I'm almost 46. I think it's next week. I t- Maybe this week even. I don't know. I'm turning 46. So it's not something that I'm dealing with just yet. I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. lucky in that respect, but I know it's not far off, right? It's coming mm. it's somewhere on my horizon. And I also know many women who are either on the end of it, they've just finished, or they're just getting into it, or they're going through it right now. And look, I have to be honest; I'm a little bit terrified. Because I've heard the horror stories. I remember my mum going through it. There are just so many women who, you know, I've heard all these different things. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I'm up for that, but I know I can't avoid it. No, you can't avoid it. No, it's coming. I know it's coming. (laughs) I'm trying to palm it off as long as I can, but when it arrives, there's nothing I can do about it. But look, we often talk about the fact that, you know, women's confidence levels are impacted at different turning points in their lives. And we say, you know, they're like catalysts, you know, finishing school for a young woman or having children or trying to get back into the workforce or a divorce. There are just so many scenarios. Mm. But I think one of the biggest might actually have to be menopause because I think women are scared of it. And I feel like this fear of the unknown, like we were saying before, um, will often impact our confidence because it makes us retreat into ourselves. You know, change can be so daunting. And I think sometimes this is where we lose ourselves. This is where our confidence suffers because when we face changes, we don't know how to handle them. So we just go, oh, I'm just not going to deal. I'm just going to internalise. So from your experience and in your expert opinion, are there any tips or tricks that you can give us to help women navigate that, you know, that onset of menopause a little bit better and not let it impact that sense of self-worth or self-belief when they can feel it coming? And I'm listening yeah. very carefully to this because I know yeah. it's coming. <laughs>
0: Well, look, I think we need to sort of acknowledge that menopause is not a disease, you know, and it was interesting listening to you sort of talk about that. And I'm a big advocate, I listen very closely to people's language. Yes. Tell me, what did I say? (laughs) Oh, you used very strong language around dreaded and daunting and, you know, horror. And, Already in your mind it sounds like menopause is like this big catastrophic thing that's gonna end your world. I know, <laughs> it's right? Like, that's
1: yeah. Terrible. And I think
0: a lot ah. of women think of menopause that way. But menopause is no different to I don't know, puberty or pregnancy or any of those sort of things where we sort of naturally go through as as women. You know, it's it's just a natural part of life. It's do you think we've forgotten it's a progression?
1: Is that what it is? Have I forgotten what puberty was like have I forgotten pregnancy and you know like I'm like oh yeah yeah, yeah. I've been there done that that's fine but something's on the horizon maybe it's because it's the last major physical change I I don't know I don't know what it is yeah but there's something about it that it does terrify me because we never hear the good bits of it we only hear the bad bits of it
0: and look I mean I experienced this with you know, pregnancy and labour as well, you know, yeah. we're very good at sharing the horror stories yes. and, you know, saying, oh, well, this happened and this happened. But you don't often hear those beautiful parts of right. the story or or what people or what women got th- going through their menopause. You know, did they get a new sense of, you know, confidence because they were they just stopped caring so much about what other people thought? Well, liberated or, you liberated know, a
1: the, bit, right, from... Yeah, liberation,
0: yeah. I've heard it described as wisdom, like, you know women get to this point where they kind of almost give themselves permission to speak freely or to speak their mind because they think, you know what, stuff this. I've spent so much of my life going along with what yes. everyone else wanted me to do. Now I'm going to actually start living my life. And that for me is such a beautiful thing that I see with women, are usually around that menopausal sort of part of their life. They kind of really draw a line in their sand and they start just doing what they want to do. Right. And look, maybe that is also a little bit lifestyle related because normally with menopause, kids have grown up and, you know, some of may, may have moved out or there yeah, does yeah. become a bit more, I guess, freedom that we need to be mindful of. But yeah. I think the big thing is, you know, like I said, menopause is not a disease. It's something that we are designed to go through and it's something that, in my mind, needs to be
1: managed as opposed to treated. Okay. That's a different way of thinking of it. Don't throw pills at the problem. Figure out a way to get through it a bit more naturally and organically.
0: In some instances, you might have to throw some pills at it. because If you're going going into menopause already really unbalanced, then chances are that your experience with menopause is probably not going to be great so at least to begin with it's probably not going to be great and i think the key thing that we also have to be mindful of is quality of life you know it's it's how we exist in the world that's a really important thing right and you know again before i went on maternity leave there was a beautiful woman i was working with with her menopause and there was a whole host of things going on but while we were trying to get her body back in balance naturally she ended up making the decision to go on hrt Right. Which is hormonal replacement therapy. Yes. And she was really nervous to bring it up with me because she said, I know you're a naturopath. You're not going to like what I'm going to say and you're, you're probably going to hate me. I'm thinking, well, first up, no, it's your body. <laughs> you choose what yeah, you yeah. do. Your call. Exactly. But also too, like I think we have to be, and that's why my business is called Practical Naturopathy, we have to be practical with how we choose to approach some of these things because if you can't get out of bed each day because you feel so depressed and you just want the whole world to end or if you're having these really heated arguments with your partner and you're on the verge of a divorce, that's not great. So if we can use HRT just to take the edge off whilst we investigate and rebalance and, I guess, reboot, you know, the, the back end, then that serves its purpose. So I think we also have to be mindful of the pressure that we put on ourselves in terms of how we navigate yes. through menopause. Because again, it's going to be different for everyone. And I know as when we're very good at sort of getting in our circles and sharing all the things that we do. But just because, you know, your best friend did something and it worked for her doesn't mean that that's going to be the right approach for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can understand exactly what you mean. We, we do put pressure on ourselves to get it right. And usually what we think is right is what other people are doing, but that may not necessarily be right for you.
0: Yeah. I think the thing about sort of menopause as well, and looking at those hormonal imbalances is if you are on the verge of it, so if someone's sort of in your category where you're like, mm, it's probably not far off, but yeah. I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. It's, for me, it's about getting the basics right. Because if you can stabilize the ship You know, as you sort of pull into that, you're going to ride that wave so much more easily. It's going to be far less bumpy than if you're going into it already tumultuous.
1: Okay. That's good to know. So I need to not only make sure my body is in the right state to receive the menopause, but also my mind, right? I need to get my mindset out of this idea of, oh my God, it's going to be terrible into, I've totally got this. I've just got to set myself up for success. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. All right. So tell me, what is the most important thing that you've learned from helping women through your business? Because I'm curious to know, you know, all these women that yeah. you've dealt with. I mean, I know you've taught women a lot of things, mm. but there's got to be something mm. that you've learned from all these women's experience.
0: For sure. Like you're learning things all the time. Um, yeah. But I think for me, the biggest thing that I've learned is that you can't do it all at the same time. And I have worked with some incredible women, you know, whether that be women, you know, from a career standpoint that are, you know, at the top of their game, absolutely kicking goals or, you know, women that are doing really well when it comes to physical exercise or amazing mothers or great friends or, you know, wonderful women doing really fantastic things, but they all present to me then with a gap of I I want help with, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, And for me, it's like I look at these, if you were to just look at them in face value, you go, whoa, like they're amazing. They've got it all together or they've got this. But I guess I have the privilege of being able to see what they feel is lacking. And it's like, you know, you just, you can't do it all at the same time. It is absolutely impossible. So, you know, for me, I think, you know, one of the things that I've sort of adopted and maybe one of the things that I also work to teach women is sometimes near enough is good enough. You yes. know, you just got to just get it done. You know, it's one of the things I often say to people is done in real life is better than perfect in your head.
1: Yes. I love that. I'm going to turn that into a quote. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is fantastic. It's so true, isn't it? And I think it goes back to what you're saying before about being different versions of yourself. Yeah. And trying yeah. to be something for everyone. And yeah. somewhere in there, you lose yourself. Yeah.
0: And I think we, we don't have infinite amounts of time. You know, yes. I will often draw, you know, bar graphs for people and I say, right, this is 100%. So yeah. if your work is taking up 50% and your kids are taking up 40%, you've got 10% left for everything else. So that's, yeah, that's nutrition, insane. exercise, sleep, you know, relationships. Like, so we have to think about where we actually spend our time yeah. and just focus on getting what needs to be done done. You don't have to focus on, you know, it being absolutely amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we talk about that too that perfection is an illusion.
0: Because Complete there is illusion. no
1: as a concept it actually doesn't make sense because firstly mm. it's it's a different thing for everyone, right? What's perfect for me is not perfect for you. And That's secondly, right, yeah. Perfection means you've attained a standard that cannot be improved on, that you cannot learn from, that you cannot develop from. And the fact is we think we've reached perfection, but then there's always something else that we want to do. So in that pursuit of perfection, we just exhaust and destroy ourselves, I think. It's too much. Absolutely. And it's completely unattainable. So it's like just a, a useless pursuit. Yeah. And then at the end we Could feel not like agree more. Yeah, we haven't done anything right. That's right. Because <laughs> I would hate to see the bar graph of my life, honest to God. <laughs> I think it would Maybe be like, you
0: should do it. I know. <laughs> the
1: thought of it when you were saying that, I'm like, wow, I'd have like 110% in the car because that's where my life exists, in the car driving my children around.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I
1: should be an Uber driver. I'd get paid for it at least. <laughs> 60% at work and this and that. And, and I just reckon I'd be operating on like 350% right now.
0: Well, I guess this is the thing, right? Like if you were actually to bar graph that out and you were to look at, okay, well, this is the amount of time that I spend driving the kids around. Yeah. Well, then it makes it really obvious You go, well, duh, I can't do two hours of exercise a day, so I can't look. Oh, well, maybe you can, but it, it helps you rationalize yeah. the way that things are. Because you go, well, duh, I've only got this much amount of time during my day. How am I holding myself accountable to these particular standards that are actually impossible to achieve?
1: Yeah, that's right. And and I find that there's this overlap thing as well, and mm. especially with hybrid working now because I've worked from home for a very long time. Everything blurs together. So yeah. my driving time actually – it merges with my working time. You know, there's often Mm. times where I'll drive my daughter to a singing lesson or a dancing lesson and rather than drive home and then drive back to go and get her, I'll sit in a car park and work. Yeah. So it all just blurs in on itself. So it is like I'm operating at 100% but that 100% is 300% worth of stuff. Yeah. And then we wonder why we're tired. Yes. It's ridiculous. is that's the
0: trade-off, right? If you're going to work at that level, then you can't have optimal amounts of energy yet. It's impossible. It's basic physics. You know, one of the things that I think was Albert Einstein, it's his his quote for every action, there's a reaction. Yeah, exactly. Um, So if you're going to work that hard, you're also going to have to rest that hard as well in order for things to stay in balance. So, Yeah. yeah.
1: Absolutely. So tell me, what are the best resources that have helped you along the way to serve your clients and also for yourself? And is there anything that you can recommend for our listeners, you know, if they're worried about their hormones or the onset of menopause or anything at all, you know, even if they just want to improve their overall health and well-being, is there anything in particular that you use or that, you know, you've recommended to your clients that you think is great for women in general?
0: Yeah. Look, I'm a big fan of firstly getting to know where we're starting from, where is our baseline, where are we moving from? So one of the things that I often do for women is salivary hormone testing. Oh, What's that? Yeah, it's a really great test that allows us to get a more accurate picture of what's going on with your hormones compared to a blood test. So blood tests, they give us a snapshot in time as to what's going on for that particular hormone, but most hormones in the blood travel around attached to proteins. So we don't get a really accurate picture of the hormone levels as such. I mean, it could be a good starting point. Like if things are out of whack in a blood test, and they're definitely going to be out of whack in a salivary hormone test, but um, the hormones in saliva aren't attached to those proteins as tightly. So we get a much more clearer picture as to what is going on. There's also a, another test called a Dutch test, which is a urine test that is sort of the gold standard for how we assess hormones and hormone metabolism. Yeah. It's a lot more expensive though than salivary hormones. So salivary hormones will generally be around the $200 mark, whereas a Dutch test can be somewhere up around the 380 dollars $400 mark. So right. whilst it is the gold standard and it's an amazing test to use,
1: it's a bit pricey. So, But is that something that you'd kind of do if you've done the salivary one and then you go, right, we need to delve deeper?
0: If we need to delve deeper, yes. But normally if I'm doing salivary hormones and I've already got a number of underlying imbalances, I don't need another test to tell me that there's the same imbalances. So for me, I kind of, whenever I'm using sort of tests, I'm thinking about how these test results are going to change the way that I treat things. So if I've got one test results that's saying your estrogen is low and your DHEA is low, I'm probably going to get those same results and it's not going to alter the way that I treat. But if, say, for instance, I've got someone who is going through early menopause as a result of breast cancer or is going into menopause and there's a strong family history of, I don't know, terrible menopause, you know, quote, unquote, let's say, then I might actually discuss with them the option of doing a Dutch profile because that Test also allows us to see how your body is metabolizing and clearing those hormones, not just giving us the levels.
1: So you can almost preempt what's coming. You, you'll be better prepared to deal with. That's right. Yeah. Yes.
0: So it gives us a bit of a map as to how things are currently working. Right. And then if we can work on that now, then we can get, like I said, get you in better shape for when those bigger things do start
1: to shift. I think I'm going to be in touch, Rebecca, because I want one of these <laughs> salivary things. I honest to God don't think I have ever had my hormones tested. Like I do get blood tests done and everything seems yeah. fine, but I've never actually looked at my body in that way. So I'd be so curious. yeah to know if there is any imbalance or if – because generally I feel good, right? Yeah. I I feel healthy, I feel strong, I feel alert generally, but I know there's so much more I could do because Mm. my sleeping patterns are terrible. I can't even tell you. Exercise, non-existent because I'm constantly in the car. I was about
0: to say, you don't have time to exercise. (laughs) No, I
1: know, but that's really bad. But like if I I had kind of an overview of – This is what your body looks like from the inside. This is what Mm. you need to work on. You know, sometimes you need to see it. You need to see it on paper. You need to have a comprehensive outline and go, oh, right, that's what's going on. Because at the moment I generally feel good. I'm like, yeah, we're good. And, you know, I think that's probably
0: the case for a lot of people when it comes to their hormones as well. Is they're like, well, I don't feel bad. Or they've been on the pill. They're constantly on the pill. And it's not until they stop the pill that they go, holy doly, I do not feel good at all. Or, you know, I have women come off the pill because they want to get an idea of what their body is doing as they sort of move towards menopause and then it's horrendous. So then they'll go on instead.
1: Or, you know, there'll always be some... Something kind of masking it. Yeah. That's
0: right. So I think women getting to know their own bodies is the biggest resource (laughs) that you can sort of look look for them. And whether that's, you know, you add to that with some sort of functional pathology testing, or even you just start tracking your cycle. Like, you know, a lot of women don't even track their cycle. This is
1: what I mean though, right? My cycle is like, I could set my watch by it. It's crazy. It's insane. So generally I feel good, but you know, when you find out something, like you don't know what you don't know. So if you find out something and they go, well, this level is low and that's why this happens. And you go, oh, I thought that was just, you know, it's like a deeper insight into something that you may not have thought about. So,
0: yeah.
1: Oh, well, I've got your number. We know that. So yeah. I may be in touch. <laughs> <laughs> We're up to our final power questions. So these are our Rise of Women final power questions. Short, quick answers. First thing that comes to your mind. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Ready. Excellent. All right. What do you wish every woman knew? Uh,
0: that your gut instinct is never wrong.
1: Excellent. Uh, what is your superpower?
0: Making a fairly healthy and tasty meal with dregs from the fridge or pantry.
1: (laughs) God, I wish I had that one. (laughs) All right, we've got a heels and flats thing going. We love heels. Uh, Heels for sure. Oh, fantastic. Heels for sure. Love it. Your favourite quote or rule to live by?
0: I've got two. Can I share two? Absolutely. Never underestimate the power of a genuine conversation. Yes. And my second one is if you want something you've never had, you've got to do something you've never done.
1: I love that one. Mm, I actually yeah, love that one. Too. I think I may have it on my fridge. It's a really yeah, good one. I and, love it. Uh, You've got to shake things up a little if you want oh, something different, don't you? Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think, in a way, that one also makes you go, "Ah, oh, just get it together." Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. This is just all oh, right. Stop your whinging. Just
1: go. Yeah. Right. I know what I have to do. I've just got to yeah, yeah build up the courage to do it. That's right. Who inspires you and why?
0: it's going to be my husband just because oh look I adore my husband but he has also had to work really hard on himself to get to the point where he is and he just works so hard for me and I'm now Penelope and looking after us and he just he's just got this real attitude of just getting on with it and I just think that's such a Such a beautiful trait of his.
1: That's amazing. And it's so great to be surrounded by people like that, isn't it? Because that empowers you. If you've got those people around you, you there's nothing you can't do.
0: That's right. And I think the the other thing that I love about him and the part that I find really more inspiring is he calls me out on my BS. So when I'm actually going, oh, I can't, this is too hard, he'll go, seriously?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, And and that's great because he's not telling you what you want to hear. He's telling you what you need to hear.
0: Oh, he doesn't tell me what I want to hear. And (laughs) we all need that
1: person in our life. Yeah. To just go, really?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Amazing. All right. Finish this sentence. If I had even more confidence than I do now, I would? Start composting. Oh, look so, at you. It's <laughs> very so, environmentally conscious of you.
0: Uh, I really, really want to start and it was my birthday a couple of weeks ago and Anthony and Penelope bought me a fancy composting kit, but yeah. I, I know I want to do it. I just am not quite sure where to start. So I'm the researching and YouTubing and...
1: Over-information. Just open up that packet and get into it. Yeah.
0: Uh, do you compost?
1: No, I don't.
0: Oh, I don't. Okay. I, I yeah. live in
1: a place where it's it's you know I'm in like in a villa complex, so there's not really anywhere yeah. to compost. Yeah, but yeah. I think it's just a case of pick a step, maybe step one in the in yeah. the manual or whatever <laughs> it comes with an instruction guide. I'm sure, and just go right. Yeah. This Sunday, I'm starting on step one.
0: Yeah, oh, you know what? That's the thing, isn't it? You just got to start.
1: Yeah, just tell your husband yeah. that you want to do it, and he'll push yeah. you till you do it. <laughs>
0: Good point.
1: (laughs) Incredible. Well, that's it for today. I'm so happy we got to cover so many valuable topics. We really got through a lot. I know. (laughs) Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on our podcast and for joining me in this fantastic conversation. It's been amazing.
0: Thanks so much for having me.
1: And to everyone listening, thanks again for supporting Rise Women and for helping us get our message of confidence out to everyone. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like, subscribe and share with your friends. And remember... As we always say with confidence, anything is possible. Bye for now.